This house was filled with memories. There were secret haunts and hiding places here. The cupboard under the stairs, where Lily had always gone when she needed solitude. An hour or so of peace away from her boisterous younger siblings. The sill at the window on the landing, wide enough to sit on. Draw up your knees, gaze out at the world, and dream. Everything was just as it had been when Lily left, over fifteen years ago. The door on the kitchen unit still needed fixing. The tiling in the bathroom still stopped three inches short of the door. John had been promising to finish it for years, years and years, and hadn't got round to it. The front gate still squeaked. The back door still needed a bang from the hip to make it open. Oh, the comfort of all this. The joy of returning to find the old quirks she'd been intimate with all her life still in place. Lily felt safe here. It was home. Lily, drifting and dreaming, her head on the window of the bus she was travelling on, looked round. An old man had at some point sat down next to her and was reading a paperback book. She wondered what it was and craned over to see if she could read the title. She couldn't, not without him noticing her curiosity anyway. She always meant to read on buses, but somehow the movement around her, people getting on and off the bus, the unsteady stop, start, trundle of the vehicle, always disturbed the rhythm of her concentration. On buses and trains, Lily always moved into her own thoughts. That year, the year of the conversation about beauty and acceptance, Lily and Matty had lingered at the table after everyone else had gone out to walk off their meal. Mozart's third violin concerto was on the CD player. The cloth that spread before them was littered with festive debris, nutshells, empty bottles, pudding plates, some only half emptied because eaters had declared themselves too full, too bloated to manage another bite. Remnants of pulled crackers, discarded paper hats, glasses, coffee cups— a bottle of vintage port. Matty had poured herself a second glass, offered the bottle to Lily, who'd refused, and filled her glass with the last of the champagne. Yes, it would have been five Christmases ago, because Andy had been there. He hadn't left Mary yet. And Rory's hair was still long. He hadn't met Isabel, who would insist he had it cut. And it had also been the first time they took a bet— on how long it would take Matty to mention the sledge. The following year had been full of news, the phone ringing, Matty pouring her worries out to Lily. Andy's left Mary. He's just gone. What is she going to do? And she's pregnant. Only a few weeks later, another call. Rory's met some Frenchwoman. He brought her here last night. She's very chic. He's going to live with her in Paris. She's ages older than him, thirty-six, three years older than you. He's had his hair cut. It's a sign, Matty said. Actually, then she'd stopped. She'd been going to say that, actually, Rory's Isabel had reminded her of Lily. It had struck her as she spoke that Isabel looked a bit like Lily, wore similar clothes, had the same haircut. 
and there was something about the way she fussed over Rory, told him to put on his jersey when he was going out to buy milk when they'd run out. It's cold, Isabel had said. You'll get the chill. Put on the sweater I bought for you last week. Remembering that, Matty thought, My God, Lily used to fuss over him in exactly the same way. Actually, what? Lily had said. Matty, recovering from this revelation, said, Actually, I think she may rule his life. Lily had, at the time, thought her brother could do with someone who'd rule his life. Oh, the relief that he'd at last cut his hair. Then, later that year, Lauren had been born. She's gorgeous, Matty crowed, weeping. Just gorgeous. John, Lily's father, had looked after Mary's two older children.